Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before the end of this hour, I want to read you something as we start. I'd like to read you something that I put on my blog, uh, RoyGreenShow.com, and it's on Facebook as well, the Roy Green Show page. I want to read this to you. The Tema Conter Memorial Trust informs that in the first weeks of 2016, nine first responders have died by suicide nationally. In 2015, 39 first responders committed suicide. That's firefighters, paramedics, and police officers. Not only is the job they do inherently difficult and dangerous, what they witness frequently is carnage. The emotional toll weighs so heavily that they, like their brothers and sisters in military uniform, 12 died by suicide in 2015, develop post-traumatic stress disorder. This week, Darius Garda, a young and by all accounts caring Toronto police officer, battling PTSD, entered Lake Ontario. His colleagues later retrieved his body. Constable Garda had been involved in the shooting at age 23, and as a rookie officer, and from what I've read, he was deeply affected by that occurrence. There is word the WSIB in Ontario, the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board, abandoned Constable Garda, as the WISB routinely abandons first responders by their accounts, and that Constable Garda had financial difficulties. His fellow officers took up a collection to help the young police officer pay his mortgage. Then I wrote, today I'll speak with a former Mississauga, Ontario Firefighter of the Year, also struggling with PTSD. His name is Norman Traversy. Kicked to the curb by the bureaucracy supposedly there to assist him and his paramedic colleagues and police colleagues, Norman Traversy, former firefighter, who received a commendation for bravery from the Provincial Solicitor General is fighting back at the Human Rights Tribunal. Why the hell do they have to do that? Why don't the governments just stand beside the men and the women who wear the first responders' uniforms and are there to protect you immediately after you call 911, or when you need the help. What is it that makes PTSD a challenge to accept as a workplace injury? Workplace, work-related illness. Manitoba and Alberta have no trouble understanding and recognizing PTSD as exactly that. Sherry DeNovo is a NDP member of the provincial legislature in Ontario, and for years, Sherry DeNovo has had Private members' legislation ready to go. I think she's had. Five, I think it's five pieces of private members' legislation ready to go to support first responders and the governments. In the case most recently, the Liberals of Dalton McGuinty and Kathleen Wynne have done nothing. They've talked. And just a few days ago, they said something about, oh, I, th- I think the labor minister said, well, we'll have to do something about uh, PTSD and workplace-related illness. And they could have adopted Sherry DeNovo's legislation a long time ago. Sherry DeNovo joins me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Norman Traversi joins me as well. Sherry, hello. 
Hello. Uh, Thank you very much for taking time. Absolutely. And what you're doing for the for the for the first responders. Well, well, very little in terms of what they do for us. Norman, good to speak with you. It's been a while. Uh, we talked last September. You were on this program, and you detailed what's happened to you over the last number of years, and it shocked a lot of people. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. Norman, what's the impact on you when you find out? I know you, you watch carefully, as others do. What's the impact on you when a first responder commits suicide because of PTSD? You know, I'm, I'm appalled. I'm disgusted. And I'm furious. And, you know, if, if you cause someone's death through action or inaction, is that not manslaughter? And, I mean, they, they, are, they are not helping in any way, shape, or form. In my case, they won't even admit that I've got PTSD, besides uh, the fact that six mental health professionals say that I do. Um, they basically become death panels. That's what the WSIB in Wisiat is now. They're death panels. Here we have. Is anybody on a speakerphone? Is either of you on a speakerphone? Not me. No. Okay, we have a little feedback developing there. I don't know why. Sherry, what's the legislation? What's what's the situation? What's the reality for first responders with post-traumatic stress disorder in the province of Ontario? What are they dealing with, and how would your Bill 2 legislation change that? Well, it's very simple. What we need is we need uh, PTSD to be declared a workplace injury for first responders. That means that if they have to make a claim to WSIB that it's accepted uh, uh, without question as a workplace injury. Uh, Not everyone will come down with it. Of course, that's silly to think that. But uh, for those that do, they shouldn't be re-traumatized by having to prove they got PTSD because of their work. It should be assumed you're working with trauma day in, day out. Some folk will come down with PTSD, and we need to protect them. It's very, very simple. Uh, I don't know what the holdup is. We've had promises from the Ontario Liberal government uh, in the past, and we're, we're dealing with one now. They say they're going to do something in February. Here's hoping. I'll tell you what the holdup is. They don't care. Yeah, I mean, I... They don't correct. care. How else yeah. How else do you describe it? If they've had years to take action, other provinces have taken the action Ontario should take, all the provinces should take. The people we're talking about are the people at the other end of the 911 call. Absolutely. Uh, and we get called in my office of folk who are suicidal we have case a case upon case uh, that we've dealt with uh, where you have to send first responders to deal with first responders. Uh, and I don't know how many deaths it takes for uh, folk who sit you know, in ministry offices to get it. Uh, I think one's too many, and we've already had uh, way more than one. Nine. Um, mm-hmm. Nine in the first six weeks of 2016. Exactly. Nine. Which is Outrageous. It is outrageous. We're going to come back with Norman Traversi and uh, with Sherry DeNovo on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. By the way, if you are somebody who is living, uh, if you're a a first responder or a family member of a first responder, whether or not you have PTSD, um, what what is your view of what's happening to your colleagues 
who do struggle with post-traumatic stress disorder. What is your view of the, how difficult it is? Um, we're talking about the province of Ontario now, but in other parts of the country it's extremely difficult as well, to get assistance from the provincial authorities that are there, the bureaucracies that are there, to provide assistance. What is your view of what's happening with, uh, with, your, with your colleagues or families of your colleagues with the PTSD reality they're living in? What, what is your view if you're a first responder or a family member of a first responder? Back with NDP, MPP Sherry DeNovo and with Norman Traversy right after this. Informative and entertaining. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I should give you the phone number, right? If I ask you to call, it would help if I gave you the number. 888-225-8255. 888-225-8255. If you're in the Toronto area, 416-870-6400. If you're a first responder, police officer, firefighter, paramedic, or a family member of a police officer, firefighter, paramedic, and you know what's happening with your colleagues, maybe it's happening to you. Maybe you're dealing with incredible stresses of the job that are turning to or have turned to PTSD. Maybe you've looked for help from provincial authorities like the WSIB, I guess they jumped to your assistance, right? They couldn't wait to help you. The Workplace Safety and Insurance Board couldn't wait to help you. It's just infuriating. Nine first responders in this country have committed suicide in the first six weeks of this year. These are the the people, as I said to Sherry DeNovo, who are at the other end of the 911 call. I saw them at my house. I saw them at my house. 2012, we had a major fire. The firefighters were here. They risked their lives for your property. And it's not always just property. They often find other things. And people. I saw the paramedics here for my wife. Amazing people. The cops have been here too, but we quieted down after that. Triple A two two five eight two five five is my number. Norman Traversy. Let me yeah. tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about Norman Traversy, the firefighter who's dealing with PTSD, who's had his back turned on him by not only WSIB, but also by his former employers in the city of Mississauga. When you were, Just tell me really fast, Norman, what was that? So, you know when you had that job, when they gave you a job, or you, you, you did get some employment with the city and they put you in a cubicle, and because of your PTSD, you're, you're a little nervous if people get too close to you? What was the sign they put outside your cubicle? What did it say? I had a shower curtain hung across the entrance, and the sign said, Norman Traversy, caged animal. And who put that there? Well, it would have had to have been approved by the chief. And this was a, this, I've seen a photograph. You sent me a photograph of the sign. This looked like it was professionally made. Yeah, it was. I still N- have it. Norman Traversy, caged animal. 
Norman Traversy, award-winning firefighter, including Firefighter of the Year in 1997 by his union, Mississauga firefighter from 1982 to 2009, 27 years, clean record, excellent performance reviews. The district chief recommended Norman to the province for a Medal of Valor. Caged animal. Sherry, what do you say? Uh, Caged animal. And unfortunately, it's not uh, the only case like that. Uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, hopefully the culture of the organizations have changed a little over the years, but... Uh, well, but do you have any, we Sherry, do you have any evidence of any change in the culture? Um, yeah, there has been some, but, but let me to get back to the real issue. Um, unless we are, are able to cover and treat uh, our, our first responders with dignity when they right. are diagnosed with PTSD... And that really is in the treatment. It's not within, you know, their play, their workplace. It's uh, getting the treatment they need so that they are able to go back to their workplace. Um, unless we can give them that, we're giving them nothing. So we're aiding and abetting any other, uh, you know, inadequate response that their employers or anybody else has by simply, you know, not standing up to them and saying, but this is real. It is a disorder. Uh, it, it has terminal consequences if not treated, and, uh, and it is a workplace injury. If the government's not saying that, how can we expect employers or workplace, uh, you know, work, workmates to, to also get the reality of PTSD if we don't? Well, can I you interject? Know, yeah, go ahead, Norman. Uh, yeah, at one point, uh, my employer wrote to WSIB and said that I was immune to PTSD because of my training. And WSIB went along with that. Explain that, please. Uh, apparently, I got some special magic training that made me immune. Uh, they refused to say what kind of training I got, but uh, WSIB accepted that on its face, that uh, firefighters are trained not to get PTSD. Tell us about the incident where you entered a car. Uh, there were four boys in there. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to. I don't want to ask you to do something that, that that's too yeah, hard for you to talk about. That's all right. Um, yeah, there, it was a horrific accident. Uh, I was uh, pretty well the first person there, and there were four young, uh, like 16-year-old boys, 17 years old, and I thought that one of them might be alive, and uh, proceeded to do CPR. And uh, the, the car was a wreck, so I had to squeeze in there. I stayed with that kid in the ambulance doing compressions till we got to the hospital. And uh, the city refused to acknowledge that the incident had even taken place. And it wasn't until my district chief got the actual record number that uh, they admitted to it. Sherry? Mm-hmm. When you hear what Norman has told us, when we know that Officer Garda was, or we, we were told, we read, that he had significant difficulties with PTSD and was rejected by WSIB, and his fellow officers were taking up collections for him so he could pay his mortgage. From a, all we read, a compassionate young man, good police officer, walked into the lake, died. This is more than just 
a cultural thing. This is more than changing a culture. This is just being... Sorry, go ahead. No, absolutely. It's, It's more than changing a culture. But one cannot change the culture if you don't acknowledge That's the true. reality of, first of all, post-traumatic stress disorder, the reality of trauma that first responders face, and, uh, of course, the, the reality also that some of them will come down with PTSD no matter what you do um, in terms of prevention. So we have to ethically look after those who look after us when they do. And uh, that is the government's responsibility, the province's responsibility. And they refuse to accept that responsibility uh, with, because if they did, they'd, you know, change the law. Um, and if they don't, um, of course, how can we expect, you know, anybody else to? Uh, and so that's the real tragedy here. Um, and it's... it's yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to take a break. Can you stay with us a little longer? Sure. Yeah. Okay, Norman, you can stay, right? Yeah. Okay, we're going to come back with Norman Traversine with Sherry DeNovo, and uh, and I will include your calls at triple eight two two five eight two five five and four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. If you're a first responder, and or a family member of a first responder, and you wish to add to this, when I read about Officer Garda. And then saw the statistics about the nine who committed suicide this year. So we have to talk about it. We'll come back. Stay with us. Setting the standard for weekend news talk radio. This is the Roy Green Show along the Chorus Radio Network. You can email me to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com and follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. And we're also on Facebook, The Roy Green Show page. Like us there. Talking about PTSD and first responders. You can get rid of the music now. Um, PTSD and first responders, nine, nine have committed suicide in the first six weeks of this year. I was not going to let that pass without talking about it. Norman Traversy, former Mississauga Firefighter of the Year, living with PTSD. He was fired. And then there was that, was it Norman Caged Animal, Wild Animal? What was it? No, Caged Animal. We have a caller who's um, a police officer who prefers to be anonymous, and that's perfectly fine. Thank you for calling. Hi. Good afternoon. Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted, listening to your show, I just wanted my experience. I got diagnosed last year in January of PTSD. I'm a... 25-year member. I've uh, won lots of awards, including the Ontario Medal for Police Bravery, but unfortunately the service um, doctors don't know how to treat you. In fact, they went out of their way to actually make my situation much worse, according to all my doctors who were treating me at the time, and, and it led to me trying to commit suicide twice last year. Oh, my. I'm lucky I'm still here. This is so distressing because you are the people, as I said earlier, who are on the other side of 911. And you're the people we turn to when we're in trouble. You're the people we turn to when we need instant assistance, instant help. And and I would imagine there's a, a cumulative weight 
emotional weight that you start that you that you bear that the that creates the PTSD. When you spoke to them, I I'd like to hear from you. I don't necessarily want to ask you questions, but when you spoke to them, when you asked for help, was it immediately apparent to you they weren't interested in providing it? That, they made that crystal clear. They offered absolutely no help. I had to uh, go seek it on my own and, and through uh, my association, who was very helpful to get me some help. Is, is there something in place? Like when you become a cop, is there? are you told, look, if something goes badly for you, if you develop PTSD, if something's happened during your career, if there's a terribly traumatic day, we're going to be here for you. There's a plan in place. Are you told that? Not in relation to PTSD, just strictly into if you're um, in a situation that can be um, trigger a lot of emotions, they will offer you immediately counseling right then and there at the time, okay. but that's it. So now you have PTSD. They don't help you. Nobody cares, right, officially? Uh, well, but, uh, thank goodness family cares and friends care. Norman, you've said the same thing. Wife and kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, can I just add that uh, when I went back to work with the caged animal sign, my union, the fire chief, and the health unit for the city all knew I had PTSD, and yet none of them offered to help. That's outrageous. Yeah. Because speaking to you, Norm, and speaking to our police officer, I know there are other first responders who are listening who identify with what you're saying and maybe have the same feelings you're having, where do they turn? Where do they turn? To the police officer, um, what, what, I mean, I'm, I'm distressed to hear that you were thinking of suicide twice last year. Norman said that to me as well. I mean, I don't want to let, say things I'm not supposed to say, but I mean, when you were on the air with us last time, Norman, you mentioned that you thought about suicide and your family then made the difference. How do you move forward to the police officer? How do you move forward? And are you still in uniform? Um, I'm still in uniform. I'm on a desk job. Um, I more than thought of suicide. I actually tried to do it. Um, uh, I don't know what to say. You need help. Um, fortunately, I've been getting help, yes. I just It's just sad that the employer isn't even be helpful. Not even dealing with WSIB are they helpful. Yeah. So you're on your own. I mean, you have your association to help you. I do. And your family. Very helpful. And your family. But the employer needs to be there. And the government needs to be there. My association won't even return my emails or my calls. Well, Sherry, what do you say to the police officer? Uh, Well, I should say... uh, uh, Police Association of Ontario, this is their major ask of the Ontario government that they pass this bill, that they bring in uh, presumptive legislation, make PTSD a workplace injury. That's their major ask. It's also an ask of the Firefighters Association and the paramedics. Uh, They're all on board. They were all there for second reading. Um, Now, you know, uh, again, I can't speak to individual cases, but suffice to say, you know, I keep going back to if the government doesn't work, uh, recognize this as a workplace injury, then um, you can see this opens the door to employers and everybody else not accepting it as a workplace injury 
either, which then leads to not getting the help that uh, these gentlemen and others need. Uh, and so really this, is, this comes back to Queen's Park and it, it's got to happen. Uh, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't fathom the possibility that it wouldn't happen this month. They, and I, I've delivered tens of thousands of signatures on petitions to the government. Um, hopefully we get it done. I'm, I'm afraid uh, I'm going to have to leave, but okay. uh, just to say that um, I hope that the next time we speak it is done. I hope so, too. Sherry, thank you very much for the time. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. I I want to, uh, oh, gosh, I lost the police officer, too. Uh, To the police officer who who called in, um, I'm sorry, when I disconnected Sherry, it also disconnected you. You can call us back at that, uh, the number you called, the 416-870-6400. My apologies for that. Uh, Norman, I, uh, let me just put you on with, with the wife of a paramedic who's calling in. Hello. Hi. Hi. Go ahead, um, I'm the wife of a paramedic, and we live in Alberta, and I asked not to use my name. And, yes, there are laws that have changed, but my husband was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder probably about eight years ago. He was off of work for about a year and was actively suicidal. And so, and I'm a, I'm a healthcare professional as well in the system, so sort of see it from both sides. The one thing that I have found is that he is sort of seen as a weak link in the group, and I find that heartbreaking um, considering all the years that he has been um, in service and has certainly applied for other jobs that would be less stressful, like off of the eMERGE side of things, and they won't give it to him because his sick time is high, and the reason his sick time is high is because he's struggling with all of this. When he was doing the, um, when he was on the WCB, it was interesting because he was at his psychiatrist appointment and um, I happened to answer a phone call from the insurance company who was harassing, trying to get him back to work. And I lost my temper with the guy and I said to him, I am trying to keep my husband alive and you want him back to work. I said, I hope that you don't have a family member that ever goes through this. Um, and I hope that uh, this never happens to you. I said, you guys should be ashamed of yourself for harassing my husband. Anyways, he was quite shocked and he he said, I am so sorry about this, and didn't hear back from him. But he would call basically weekly to harass my husband, mm-hmm. which, of course, would just spur, you know, stir things up again. Just make things but, worse. Makes oh, things worse. absolutely. We, we're, best, we're, going to, we're going to do a more in-depth program on okay. first responders and what they're facing, PTSD. That's coming up. What I'd like you to do, ma'am, if you wouldn't mind, just send me an email to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Sure. If you do that, I'll keep your identity confidential. Okay. Because I'd like you to participate on that on that program, and maybe your husband too, if 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 that's okay. Yeah. But we yeah, can we he, can. He's he, he's actually listening, and I said uh, I'll make the phone call. So well, good for you. Him. Good. Before just before we finish this segment, Norman, the the idea of here the, the you know you're the first responder and you have PTSD, so some in the group consider you to be the weak link emotionally, perhaps. Is that that it, that ever happened to you? Absolutely. Yeah, I was, uh, all my uh, duties and responsibilities were taken away. I was told to sit in that cubicle and do nothing. 
I complained to my union boss, and he says, uh, what do you care? You get paid every two weeks. So you were the problem. I mean, not, yeah. You weren't the problem, but you were told, you're the problem. There's no problem, Norm, except you're the problem. Exactly and for my and for my husband, it was the exact opposite, where they put him back in the line of fire, and he needs to get away from this. Okay. Um, and they've just ma'am, let me get you. Let me get you to hold on, please. Okay. okay? And I, I want the police officers called us back who we lost. So I'm going to ask our studio to please call the next guest and tell um, and just ask uh, Dr. Keystone. Tell him I'll talk to him another time about the Zika virus. So just call Dr. Call Jay and let him know we'll talk to him another time. I don't want to interrupt this. This is too important for us to just hang up and go to another subject. So we're going to come back with the wife of the paramedic in Alberta. We'll come back with a police officer in Toronto, 25 years on the force, desk job now, living with PTSD. And Norm Traversy, brave guy. Norman Traversy, he challenged me last year, sent me an email. I was talking about something that had to do with government and government ignoring people. And he said, you should talk about this, and sent me a very challenging email. Polite, challenging? I'm glad I followed up. We'll come back with our guests on The Green Show. Stay with us. From hard news to pop culture, he's got you covered. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. We're back with our uh, guests and uh, talking about PTSD among first responders. Nine already this year have committed suicide. First responders, PTSD is a major, major issue. And it's being ignored by various provincial governments as a workplace illness. And the first responders who are dealing with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, they're made to jump through hoops and then eventually still, most of the time, ignored and denied help by the governments. Norman Traversy is a former Mississauga firefighter. My conversations began with Norman about this. We have a, the, an anonymous um, caller from Alberta, wife of a paramedic. Our, our Toronto police officer has called back, who prefers to be anonymous, and I completely respect and understand that. 25 years on the force, and we also have Mark, who's called in from Wasega Beach, Ontario, struggling with PTSD, not a first responder. Mark, thank you very much. Let me let me ask our police officer. There, there. I I don't want you to leave without telling us what it is that that really needs to be said from your perspective. And we've just heard we just heard the the wife of the paramedic and Norman Traversy both say that they were her husband and Norman were looked on as almost weak links in the chain because they had PTSD. I don't know if any of that rings a bell, but please, please tell us what we need to know. Um, yeah, that's true, and um, the sad part is that they offer you no help, and they actually go against what the prescribed treatment is and the work environment for you to be in so that you can come back to work while, you, while you're trying to recover from it, um, and instead they make it uh, absolutely impossible and intolerable that you end up having to go... Uh, back home and back off sick. So, I mean, your job, your perspective, your prospects for your career moving forward now, um, how, I, I mean, I, I want you to get help. I want everybody to get assistance. I want I want the governments to step up because you need it. What, what's it like going to work every day? Uh, it's different for 
for me now because it's been a year and I, as I said to you, did go out and get help and we continue to get right. it and the help's been very effective. And in my case, the association's been very supportive in, in helping me and representing me with my employer. Right. So uh, I'm very so that's fortunate helping. that way that yeah. I wasn't successful in my suicide attempts, that I actually have turned the corner and starting to get better. Good. So glad to hear it. Really so glad to hear that. Um, our, the wife of the paramedic in, in Alberta, how's your husband? How is he on a day-to-day basis? How is he doing? I mean, he's got tremendous support in you. Good. I mean, he's back at work, um, and we actually found a treatment center down in California that specialized um, with fire, EMS, and military. And Good. so we got him there. We had, had to go to California. Yeah, he had, had to, to go to California. California. And so he, I Jeez. mean, he's good. He's back working, but certainly we have good days and bad days. And mm. we're sort of in a bit of a funk right now. Right. Um, but he gets nervous when he has to go back to work. I can definitely see the mood change. Okay. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's coping, but we watch it every day. And I say to him, you know what? You need to go back and talk to the psychiatrist, yeah. counselors, whatever, okay. because I know when his moods are, are changing. But it's a constant. It's constant. Norm, what about, and I only have three and a half minutes, um, but Norm, what about you? Um, you, Your life has changed so yeah. significantly. What about you every day? You're fighting this fight. I mean, you sent me an email this morning. You've been denied uh, participation in even Christmas parties for for uh, retired members of the fire, they don't even they don't even send you an invitation anymore, or it never did. They never did. They never did. I was totally excluded uh, from the get go. It, it's part of the culture, and uh, I'm I'm just not invited. I'm I'm shunned. And when you contact the city, or you contact the chief, the the, the chief of the the fire department, um, what happens? No reply. Uh, one time I got uh, an email from their lawyer uh, telling me to only contact the city through him. I, I saw that. I a meeting with the chief. He said in one email he had sent to other people, he said, my door is always open. Yeah, you sent Well, it wasn't open to me. You sent me that. Margin with Sega Beach. Marg, you're not a first responder, but you're, you're struggling with PTSD. Yes, I was diagnosed with that. And all I can say is it's a really horrible, horrible place to be. It's, it's sort of like you climbed inside yourself. You're very soft, and you can't see the way out. Are you getting help? I did get help, thank God. I went to the family doctor finally, and it took a while because I was raised that you did not let anything out of this house. Whatever happened here, you didn't say anything. Well, that can be... That can be very difficult to our police officer. What's it? What? What is the? What is the feeling? What? How does the day start when the PTSD is is at its most difficult to deal with? To our, the police officer from Toronto. How, Run that truck. Are you still there? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm try, what I'm trying to do is, and we just have a little time, but what I'm trying to do is, if there are other first responders who are dealing with PTSD and wondering if it's a, if that's what they're dealing with, what were the symptoms for you? The, the symptoms were, it started with uh, depression, and then you, um, you become very socially withdrawn, and then the paranoia sets in. Okay. 
And the best thing I can say to any first responder suffering, go see your family doctor. Don't wait. Don't wait. I have a lot to learn here. And we're going to do this again. And we're going to we're going to do it we're going to do it properly. So to the police officer, if, if you would send me an email, I'd appreciate it. Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. I'd like to correspond with you. Okay. And would you and, and to the wife of the paramedic and, and Marg as well. And, um, and we're going to do this properly. Norman, thank you so very much. You're making well, a difference. You. You're making a difference, Norm. Thank you. You really are. A lot to learn. A lot to be done. The politicians and the governments have been sitting on their hands. Why are the first responders? Not important to them. Other people are, it appears, to government. Maybe they're not enough, large enough voting block. We'll come right back.